Well, uh, brothers and sisters, good morning. Uh, if you would, open your Bibles to the book of Revelation. And as Todd said, we are gonna, we're going to introduce Revelation in a little bit of a different way because we have the unique opportunity of having Pastor JP here with us. We are going to read uh, five words in Revelation, and then most of the sermon illustration and application is going to be Pastor JP Sharon. Uh, if you're new with us, we're starting a a study, an overview study of the book of Revelation, um, and I promise you will not need a decoder ring to follow along with our study. Uh, you're not going to have to count every fifth word backwards, run it through an algorithm to decode the seat. You're not going to have to find uh, national treasure, uh, secret texts, uh, and look at the prophecies of Nostradamus to understand Revelation. Revelation tells us right up front what it's about and what it is meant to do. So, if you would, read just five words in this book with me uh, as we introduce our theme for this morning. Revelation to John, uh, chapter 1, verse 1. This is God's word. The revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ. This is God's word. I promise next week that we're going to go through chapter 1. But here is what I want you to get this morning. The book of Revelation is about Jesus. It tells you up front. If you're like, what is this book about? There's, there's monsters and beasts out of the sea and there's locusts. What, what is going on? I'll tell you what's going on. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. That word revelation means to reveal, to disclose, to, to unveil. And it's the unveiling of Jesus Christ. And what we see is two things in the book of Revelation that you'll also see in Pastor JP's testimony today. First, you see that Jesus is alive and at work among his churches. Next week, we'll see that Jesus appears among the lampstands representing the church, meaning he's not way off somewhere. He's right here. He's among the churches. And he is alive and doing work throughout the world, as we're going to see uh, through Pastor JP in El Paso here and in our beautiful La Frontera right here and as well around the world. Uh, you see Jesus throughout the book. You see in chapter 5, which really is the centerpiece of the book in many ways, where the, the, the Jesus is revealed as the lion of the tribe of Judah. It's announced, here comes the lion of the tribe of Judah to inaugurate the, the plan of God for blessing and judgment. And here comes the lion of the tribe of Judah, and he appears in 5-6, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. Meaning that Revelation reveals Jesus, reveals him as both the powerful lion and as the substitutionary lamb, and reveals that that work of his life, death, and resurrection are effective in doing something. Revelation 5, 9 says this, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, meaning to inaugurate the plan of God, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. The, the revelation of Jesus Christ in this book shows us that, that Jesus is alive and at work, and his work is gathering a people. As we'll 
here today from, from the corners of the world, from one place to the other, in, in every ethnic group, every language spoken, every nationality, every tribe. That's where Jesus is at work to gather his people. So Jesus is alive and at work now. He's in and among his churches. He is gathering those to be part of his church. But Revelation also shows us the things that must soon take place, meaning it shows us the end of the story. Not just that Jesus is at work in the middle of the story, but that Jesus has an ending to the story. Jesus, as we'll see in Revelation, is bending history to his will. Jesus is not responding. He's not up there going, oh my gosh, this guy Putin, what is he doing? He is out of control. We got to do something about this. No. No, no, no. Jesus has bent the Roman Empire to his will, the Byzantine Empire to his will, the, 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 the medieval ages to his will. Jesus continues to bend history toward the arc of the victory of the lion and lamb and his people. Look briefly with me at the very end of the story in Revelation. I want you to see where this is going. Revelation 19, after this, in the middle of this climactic cosmic battle, Revelation 19 shows us where this is going. It shows us the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then it shows us the rider on the white horse who comes and brings a final and ultimate victory. And then look at verse 21, just briefly with me. This is where we're going. This is the end of the story. 21 verse 2, when I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Meaning this, that the people that Christ has gathered from every tribe, tongue, language, and people will be gathered. They will be perfected. They will be washed by the blood of the Lamb. They will be prepared as a bride adorned for a groom. And, and the climax of history is Jesus' victory over the forces of evil and death, the triumph of the lion and lamb, and because of, for some inexplicable reason, Jesus has tied his glory to the good of his people. The victory of the lion lamb means the victory of the people of the lamb. And they're reuniting with God himself. Look, that's what Revelation's about. If you've ever thought, what is in the back of the book? You know, what's in the Bible? What's the back of the Bible there? I heard a pastor say, sometimes functionally, we have 65 books in our, in our Bible, not 66, meaning we all read different books, and then we get to Revelation, and we're like, yeah, I don't know what's going on over there. I'll tell you what's going on over there, the revelation of Jesus Christ. I mean, what, how would you feel if somebody was like, hey, listen, actually, there's, there's not just four Gospels, there's a fifth one. And Jesus is doing stuff, and it shows miracles he's doing and wonders he's performing. And you're like, well, sweet, I want to read that. It's here, right here, the revelation of Jesus Christ. So here's what we're doing. Over the next few weeks, we are going to walk through this book together. But today, what we're going to do is we're going to hear these two big themes, that, that Jesus is alive and at work in the world today in every tribe, tongue, language of people, gathering a people for himself, and that Jesus, the arc of history is Jesus' victory and completion of that people. 
right? And so as Pastor JP comes and shares, that's what I want you to hear. And I want you to also hear this. We, 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 in our vision statement as Cross of Grace, we say that, that we want to see uh, the, the gospel going forward. We want to see gospel work in El Paso, gospel renewal in El Paso, and through it, the world. Meaning as we're faithful with our little corner of, of the world, by God's grace, the Lord can use us to impact far, far beyond. So with that, I'm going to invite uh, uh, Todd and Pastor JP up. And uh, we're going to hear from them this morning. So just a little bit about JP for those of you who don't know him. Um, if you've been in here for a while, church for a while, um, you've heard us uh, share about our growing partnership with him over the years. Um, as we partnered with him for the food relief program that we ran in the villages during COVID. And uh, he was in the U.S., at a wedding, and so we seized the opportunity to have him come down and join us because it's a very rare thing to be able to have him all the way down here in Texas. It's about, oh, 12,000 miles away. And by personal experience, it's about 43 and a half hours, just from my door to his, just for note there. Uh, for those of you who are relatively new to the church, JP started um, connecting with Sovereign Grace in 2012. And he was looking for a group of churches with similar doctrinal values that he wasn't able to find in his area of India. So he reached out. At the time, we really didn't have anybody working in India. So he was very patiently waited for years, for really for five years, till late in 2017 when God providentially connected us together right before we were about to start a small pastor's conference in India about a day's or day or so journey away from where he was. So we invited him, and he readily agreed and came by train over day and night to get there. And uh, it was very obvious after the, about the first day that the main reason that we were having this conference was to connect with him, that God was going to do something. It also was because he was the only other person there that spoke English and so he was the only one I could talk to because the rest of the guys only spoke Telugu. So <laughs> we started talking and getting to know one another. And uh, we just that began a friendship. And over the, the next year or so, we started having calls together. Praise God for a video call. It's amazing. Um, and we started just have fellowshipping together, having mutual encouragement. But it soon became apparent that God had something more in mind. And he's calling us into some kind of gospel partnership. We didn't know what that partnership would look like exactly. But over time, JP expressed a deep desire to be more formally partnered together with Sovereign Grace. And so we began to walk through the process of ordination, ordination with Sovereign Grace. Um, even though JP already had a, the a theology degree in India and even a master's in English literature, he humbly submitted himself to our ordination process, which has extensive reading and writing and testing. Um, but after a year and a half, on July 26th of this last year, uh, JP became the first ordained Sovereign Grace pastor in India. Super excited. Thank the Lord. Thank you, Lord. So he also has the first Sovereign Grace church in India. So we're so, so glad that JP could be here this morning to share with us. And so we just welcome him as he comes and gives his testimony and shares about his church. So I'm so glad I'm here. 
and it's my honor standing here. Uh, <clears throat> so I'm able to see all you in person. Uh, I have been praying for this church, though I haven't seen. Uh, I hope you're okay with my English. <laughs> so you're enjoying Indian English. <laughs> you know, English was my third language when I was in school. And I had to do my post-graduation in English literature to, you know, at least to speak this language to this point. <laughs> so I'm glad. So greet you all in our Lord's name. And I bring greetings from my home and church in India. Uh, this is, uh, you know, many are asking me, what is your full name? My full name is, you can't pronounce. Ravuri Jaya Prakash. So in short, you can call me JP. So I'm okay with that. So let me share a little bit about my background in a few sentences. I come from a small town in India, in the state of Andhra Pradesh, called Gundu Golanu. Again, you can't pronounce. Gundu Golanu. So, so you can see that on the screen. So that's the small town. So there are about 10,000 people living in it. That's the place I was born and brought up. And my parents were Hindus. They had a Hindu background. They were worshipping all sorts of idols, uh, snakes, monkeys, uh, you know, cows, and uh, you know, every animal. <laughs> every animal is a god in India. <laughs> you know, they were worshipping all these idols, but uh, by the power of the gospel, uh, it was such a big story. So just in one sentence, I can just say that by the power of the gospel, they came to know the Lord. And then I personally came to know the Lord, though I was born in a okay, Christian family. It all happened before I was born. So when I, so when I was born, my parents were Christians. And uh, I had access to Sunday school, Christian worship and all. But I personally came to know the Lord at the age of 17. And then I felt God calling me for the ministry. So I went to join Bible school at the age of 18. So if you come to India, uh, you see that every town is divided like a Christian community and Hindu community. Hindu community is the place where you see lots of Hindu temples and idols on the streets, and many Hindus live there. And Christian community is the place where you see churches and all the Christians living in. It's all because when the foreign missionaries came to India, these people today, they are called Christian community. They were the ones in the first place embraced Christianity. So when the foreign missionaries shared the gospel. So when my dad rented a house in a Hindu community, and later he wanted to buy the same house, so he did that. So that's how I happened to, uh, I mean, uh, that's how I was brought up in a Hindu community or on the side of Hindu community. And my dad wanted to start a church among the Hindu community, and that would be the first church. You know, uh, it was just a house church. There was no church at all. So he started a house church in my home, and then uh, I graduated from the Bible college after several years, and then I was back to my church that was in my house, 
And it was just around 10 to 12 people gathering on every Sunday. So I started working alongside my dad, teaching and preaching God's word, uh, and you know, evangelizing the whole community, using every opportunity that God okay, gives us. And the church started to grow. It was just like you know, 10, 10 to 12 people, but the Lord was adding the number one by one. So my dad wanted to build a church. But since we were living in Hindu community, nobody would sell us the land to build a church because they don't want to see church there. So my dad was so strong on that, even myself, that we really wanted to see a church building, but we had no other option. So my dad said, okay, let's add another floor over our house. That's what you see there. So that's the church. So the first floor is the house, and the second floor is the church because we had no place to build the church and nobody wants to sell the land because they don't want to see a church building there. So now we have the church there, so praise God for that. It's all the grace of Jesus Christ. So my dad was unable to complete the church building, but at least he could do for the most part. But uh, he died of cancer in 2014. And the Lord has given me grace to complete the church by 2016. So it's the place where we meet, to meet till today. And yeah, this is something about the ministry and the church. And now let me also speak something about my family. I have been married to my wonderful and uh, beautiful wife, Satvika. Uh, I should say that in my eyes, she's the most beautiful one in the world. So I'm sorry if I'm offending some beautiful girls here, young girls here. <laughs> well, we're married for nine years, and the Lord blessed us with twin 10-month baby girls. Uh, that's the, you know, that's the most recent picture. Just before I was leaving my home, my wife was so upset, even my babies were upset. So I had to click a picture with them, a selfie. So that's the one. <laughs> because they would be missing me for one month altogether. So my wife seems to be a little sad, but actually she's so happy. And they, you know, other times. So this is the family the Lord really blessed me with. And uh, the names of my children are Lena and Leah. The first one is Lena, and the second one is the Leah, a Bible name. So the Lord still does the wonders. I believe the Lord is still doing the wonders. Uh, he, uh, I am not a successionist in the sense that I don't believe in wonders, and God stopped all those things. No, because I'm an example of that. So I'm going to explain how. We were married for eight years, and my wife was barren in the sense that we didn't have children. And it's such a big thing in India if you don't have children. People would say that you were cursed by gods and goddesses. There's a curse upon you. You might have done something so bad in your previous life. So today you have no children. That was the thing. So out of our, our desire and you know, okay, curiosity, so we happened to meet with some top 10 doctors around us. And every doctor from every 
uh, I mean, from the mouth of every doctor, we were getting just only one word, no hope. No hope. No hope. Even if you go for IVF treatment as such, still you have no, no hope. So one, doc uh, uh, one doctor said is that there is some little hope, but you have to get the you know, medicine for two years because my wife had so many health complications, especially the size of her okay, uterus was very small. So doctor said, we can use some medicine to see if that can become big, enlarged. So I said, okay, but it takes at least one to two years. The doctor said, I said, okay. But over three months, the size of the uterus uh, was quite sufficient for my wife to carry baby. So I thought the Lord started doing something in our lives. Previously, what happened, there was a baby boy, so the mom wants to okay, give away the boy. We were ready to go and grab, but somebody has already taken the baby before we went. So my wife was so sad. So those things happened twice. Somebody wanted to give the baby to us. But meanwhile, before we reach, somebody comes and grabs the baby. So there was a time my wife was not eating. She was not sleeping. She was crying, crying, because that was such a big thing. Even in India, if you want to go for adoption, there's a big process, and then you can't meet all the requirements. That was the thing. So I thought the Lord is going to help us. and then. My wife went through IVF procedure. The doctor said, may not be successful in the first attempt. You may have to go for twice or thrice. And even the chances are very less. But we said, OK. And I was praying for twins. Whereas doctor said, even it's not possible for you know, one. But in my faith, the Lord has given me faith to pray for twins because I see that the Lord is doing something in our lives. He started working the things to happen. So the first attempt was done. The doctor said, you have to come back after two weeks to check if it was successful or not. So we were back to the hospital, and after two weeks, the doctor did some scanning and said that, smiling at our faces and said, your, your wife is pregnant with the twins. And, and I said, I know this already. <laughs> so the doctor was asking me, how do you know? Where did you go for scanning? I said, I was praying. The doctor said, oh, your God is good, great, great. But the doctor said, even till she is ready for delivery, no hope. In the sense, like, something can happen. So you had to be so careful. I said, no, it's the Lord doing, it's going to happen. But the story did not end. So when my wife was scheduled for C-section, she was tested pastor. It was in 2021 May. There were many death cases because of COVID every day. So if you are tested positive with COVID, no doctor will touch you. That was the situation. And many women were turned away from the hospitals because they were found positive, tested positive. And uh, many women died, pregnant women died, because doctors were not willing to you know, even okay, touch them. So I was so worried because the next day is the C-section. And then today, my wife was tested positive. I showed the report to the doctor, and she has gone through the report thrice, and she did not realize that my wife was tested positive. The doctor thought she's working. I don't know how that happened. I believe the Lord covered her eyes in such a way. The Lord blinded. 
as he blinded the eyes of Pharaoh and his army. I don't know. So doctor agreed to okay deliver the babies, and she did. And my twin babies were born. We were so happy. We were in one room. The doctor came to see the babies. I said, is it okay since my wife is tested positive, can you give some medicine? The doctor asked me, who is positive? I said, my wife. How do you know? Look at the report. She said, I have gone through the report thrice. Look at it back again. And she looked and said, my goodness, how is it? I said, thank God. <laughs> of course, the doctor was upset. So this is such a great miracle the Lord has done in our family. So I am sharing all these things, therefore you can be encouraged by all these things. Okay, alongside the church ministry and evangelism, so again I'm coming back to the ministry. Alongside the church ministry and evangelism we have, we do also have some children ministry. At this time in the church, only a few Hindu families were added. And we were just only a few. So we really wanted to try and evangelize the families through their children. So we just came up with some project called Learning Center. So the children, after their school hours, they will come to church. And we will help them with the school projects and the school works. So our ultimate desire is to evangelize the children at the end. So when we just put the word, only, uh, so we just expected five to 10 people, uh, you know, 10 okay, children to attend. But to our surprise, in the first week, we got 50 children. So outside, it, it all just looks like a study center. But at the end, we are evangelizing the children. So the Lord is giving us opportunity to share gospel with them. We have some special programs for them, like what you call Okay, vacation Bible school and some other programs to evangelize the children. And, and, and to my gladness, um, many of these children now started attending Sunday school in our church. So I'm so happy for that and we are praying and working for the salvation. May the Lord save them. And as I have mentioned that, our church is in a Hindu community. Therefore, people really do not like that. So they don't want that. They have been so hostile to me. They were so hostile to me. But the lockdown, uh, COVID lockdown in 2020 changed the whole thing. 70% of uh, the Indians live by daily wages. So I mean, if you work today, then you have food to eat tomorrow. So if you don't work today, there is no food for you tomorrow. So that's the thing in India. 70% percentage of the people live like that. So because of lockdown, they had no work, and many families were in dire need of food. And uh, Brother Todd was checking on me, and I said, this is the situation. Then he talked to the church elders, and this church, Cross of Great Church, started funding for the food. So we bought food with the help of the church, so we packed the food, and, he, and you know, uh, it was for uh, 664 families of 10 days of food. That's 136,000 meals altogether. So we supplied for 664 families with 10 days of meals. That is something great. 
So when I take a food packet and knock on the doors, they would open and stare at me as though I come from another planet <laughs> and would say, what? That means, why are you here? You're a pastor, you're a Christian. Why did you come to my house? Something like that. So I show the food and say, hey, guys, I am here for you with the food. And they were so perplexed because they had been so hostile to me all these years. You know, even they would not greet me, you know. So when they see me face to face, <laughs> that was the face expression. They would not greet me even. But when I was there with the food, it was really surprising them as well. Since they were hungry, they would never say no. So they just opened the doors and said, please, welcome. And then I shared food with them and said, can I just pray for you? And they said, okay. So let me pray in the name of Jesus Christ because that's the name they really hate. Then they, those Hindu guys, they hate the name of Jesus. They're ready to accept any name of any God in the world. All those million gods and goddesses these people have you know, okay, created, they were ready to accept any name, but they were not willing to uh, you know, accept the name of Jesus Christ. So I had privilege to pray for them in the name of Jesus Christ, and I had privilege to share gospel with them, and then I have given them gospel tracts and the four gospel booklets. And the end is that a Muslim family got converted. That's the first Muslim family in our town that was converted. They came to the Lord. Also, several Hindu families came to the Lord. So praise God and big thanks to Cross of Great Church. Big thanks to Cross of Great Church for your generous generosity, donations, and the prayers that you offer and all the help. Thanks a lot. In India, we conduct outdoor services that we call gospel meetings. So before this time, we were not allowed by the community to put on these services. So a gospel meeting is among the houses, if there's a ground, we just fix some lightings and sound system on the stage and chase and say, Hey, guys, here we are going to do something in the name of Jesus Christ. You can come and join. Before, I was not allowed. But after COVID, once we have done this ministry, you know, serving the food. So, I got access to do this. People were okay with it. And even many Hindus were coming and sitting. This is something new for me. So, now I have many doors opened to go in and share the gospel to these Hindus, that there is living God who can save us from eternal domination. So this is all by the grace of God and what God has done during, uh, you know, 2020 COVID lockdown. And then at the end, I want to talk something about the plans that we have in regard to the ministry in India. Uh, the Lord is raising the local missionaries and the you know, evangelists so in India, but they have no good knowledge in God's word. There are many pastors without good knowledge in God's word. I feel that this is the greatest need among the Indian pastors to have a Bible college. They need a Bible college. 
they have passion to serve the Lord, but they have a very minimum knowledge in God's word. Six months back, six months back, the Lord put the idea of, you know, having a Bible college in Andhra Pradesh state in India. And the same thought idea the Lord put in the heart of Brother Todd. So we have been working on that project. I know that, or we know that, this is such a large task, very big task. But we are in faith that if God wants it to happen, he will provide the way. So we are praying and planning to establish a pastor's college to train the men that are called to serve the churches. Therefore, they can teach God's word in the churches, and the churches are established. That's our purpose. We hope to start with the first class in July 2023. So we are planning and praying for that. I would appreciate, or we would appreciate, if you can pray for this. All the glory to God, the Almighty, and big thanks to the church leadership for letting me speak here. Thank you one and all. Glory to God. We good? All right. Here's what I want you to see before we pray for Pastor JP. Um, the book of Revelation shows us that God is at work. As Pastor JP said, he still does wonders. We believe that. <laughs> we believe that he can help a barren woman have twins. We, we believe that he can open a village that is closed and hostile to the gospel. Um, uh, Pastor JP was sharing with us, for his entire life in that village, uh, people refused to greet him because he was a Christian and was a pastor. And now, you saw the pictures. I mean, he's, he's having gospel meetings that people are coming to in that place. God is at work in the world. But the other thing I want you to see is the book of Revelation is, you know, this big cosmic thing and God's bringing about a victory and gathering of people, but he does it through the ordinary work of local churches. I mean, I hope you see this, guys. I mean, the money that you sent in 2020 in the middle of the lockdown, you just thought, okay, I hope something good happens with that. The Lord used that to change, I think, the, the gospel ministry uh, of this church by God's grace for a generation or, or more. We are participants in God's plan to gather the nations in, in our neighborhoods right around us and to the nations abroad. So, JP, thank you for letting us partner with you, brother. It is a privilege. It is a privilege. Um, so would you stand? We're going to pray for JP, and then we'll close with a song. Oh, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for our partnership with Pastor JP, with his wonderful wife, and his beautiful twins. Oh, Lord, what a privilege it is to partner um, together in the gospel. Lord, we are amazed that you continue to be at work. You, you save people in El Paso. You save people in Wadis. You save people uh, across the ocean in India. You save Pastor JP at age 17 opening his eyes. You saved this Muslim family he just spoke of, the Hindu families that he just spoke of. Lord, you are at work. You are still seeking and saving the lost. You still do wonders. And Lord, we pray. Uh, we pray for the work going on in 
in his village. Lord, we pray that you continue to draw many children to the, the learning center. We, we pray that you would continue to draw many Hindu families to come learn about Jesus. We pray, as he you know, shared with us, we pray for the husbands of some of the women that, that the husbands are very hostile as Hindus to the gospel and don't want their wives to go. But the wives are saying, we're Christians now. We have to go to church. Lord, I pray for grace that the husbands would be converted, that the husbands would come to know Jesus and would join their wives at church in the service. Uh, we pray for that, Lord. We pray for uh, continued practical opportunities to demonstrate the gospel, adorn the gospel, and to proclaim the gospel as they go together. And we pray, for, we pray over this work of the pastor's school that, that Todd and JP will be working on over the next year or so uh, to begin. We pray for, for your grace. We pray that you would uh, give them wisdom as they consider how to do this. And we pray that you would draw men who want to be equipped with sound doctrine to preach the gospel clearly and well in their, in their generation, in their place. Until every tribe and tongue and language and people is gathered around the throne singing, worthy is the lamb who was slain. For by your blood you ransomed a people for God, a kingdom. Oh Lord, we long for that day. We long for that day. We ask for your grace to work faithfully in our day. In Jesus' name, amen.